0: This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. Good morning, church. It is good to be back with you again, and I should say church and friends, because it's always a pleasure to come into everybody's home through our technology, and we're going to share with you something that's been on my heart for some time, and that is that God wants you to need Him. You know, as we go through life, sometimes the loneliest people in the world are those who do not feel they belong to anyone or anything. And this kind of loneliness can be felt even in a large crowd. Uh, You can be with a lot of people, you can rub shoulders with individuals, and you can do this all day long and still not feel that you belong to someone One of the great threats of our advanced technology, which of course I'm thankful for because of being able to talk to you this morning, is the process of making our lives very impersonal. I don't know about you, but I like to be with people. I like to talk to them face to face. I like to be able to say, how are you doing? What's going on? And so on and so forth, which I don't have that ability to do right now. But I'm here, I, I love you, and I appreciate you, and I... Thank God for you. And God wants us, every one of us, to need Him. Now, as I think about that today, uh, what we need to remember is that as God wants us to need Him, that is very important to you and very important to God. And how do I know that? Well, I've been studying the, in the Old Testament for some time now. And every time I get into a situation of reading, I find the Israelites turn their back upon God. And God keeps warning them and telling them, I need you to come back to me. I need you. And then if we go into Exodus chapter 20, where the Ten Commandments are, you know that God says, I'm a jealous God. You shall not have any other gods before me. Well, why is that? Because he created you and me for fellowship, for having somebody to talk to, and somebody to talk to Him, and somebody to need Him. He created the world, including you and me. And you say, well, no, that was way back many years and many, many thousands of years ago. And that may very well be true, but I'm going to tell you something. Nobody's born in this world without God's knowledge. God knows who you are. And He also knows whether or not you are In a position where you need Him. You see, the reality of it is we have a tendency to depend on ourselves too much and oftentimes run into trouble when we leave God out of our lives and circumstances. We find that not only personally, but we find it to be true uh, as a church. So as we go through this, I'm going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 43. And the verses are going to be 1 through 24, although I'm not going to cover all 24 verses. I do not have time to do that. But I would like for you to take the challenge of reading that chapter and reading it for yourself and reading it personally so that God will be able to speak to you personally. He may speak to you personally through my message, but... I would like for you to pray and to seek God's face this morning. That's the challenge that is before you. And so, as we go uh, into the scriptures, just before that, we need to bow our heads together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pause just now to thank you for your goodness and for your, your greatness and for your awesomeness and for your being so wonderful. You have made so many provisions for your people. As we look at the history of, of Israel, we find, Lord, that time after time after time, you called these people back to you. You even had to punish them sometimes because they wouldn't listen. And then after the punishment, oh, Lord, you were the one. You were the king. You were the heavenly father. And they would go back to you. And then you'd accept them back and move on into the time of history that we read about. And so, Lord, we thank you for that because it gives us a glimpse of who you are. It gives us a glimpse of what you want, and that is you want us to need you. I need you, Lord. I have no strength in myself, but in you I can do all things through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we just praise you this morning and we thank you. I thank you for this church, West Concord Baptist Church. I thank you for the people in this church I ask you, Lord, to bless each and every one. Be with us as we continue to go on through this world. The various things that are happening, the wars, the rumors of wars, the rioting, uh, all the political stuff that's going on, which is nasty. Lord, just help us. Help us not to get caught up in all of that stuff, but to get caught up in you. Bless us now as we look at this, your word, as you told Isaiah what to share with the Israelite people. And now, Lord, you're sharing with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we look at this, we're going to find uh, that God brings assurance to our lives. How do we see that? Well, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 says, But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, Israel! Now, if you have any doubt that you're his creation, right there is a verse that tells you you are. Because he wasn't just talking here to Jacob and to Israel. Of course, you know that Jacob's name was changed to Israel. But then he goes on to say, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. You are mine mine. And then it goes on in verse two and some at some point in time a while ago, I've marked this verse. and so at that time it was very important to me and it's very important to me now because this tells you how God takes care of you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame, scorch you. And then it says, for I am the Lord your God. The Lord begins by saying, I have redeemed you. You are mine. And then the other thing that he points out very blatantly is fear not. And as we look at this a little further in the scriptures, he promises to be with us in very difficult times. And that's what verse 2 tells us. God promises to face us, or to, God promises to face these issues with us if we will only allow Him. You know, sometimes we feel we're so strong in ourselves, and that's kind of the human life. And then we go through all of these things, not even asking God for help, not even seeking His face for direction, not even allowing Him to help us because we know it all, right? We've got all the answers, don't we? No, we don't. And the scriptures are very clear to remind us that we do not have all the, en- the answers, excuse me. The next thing is it says to have courage among fears. Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever been at a place where you were fearful but yet you were courageous? I have, and I would assume you have too. But what we often find ourselves is bombarded on every side by problems and difficulties. I'm thinking of a person right now that has been bombarded this year on every side that he turned. He had some physical problems, and then, lo and behold, other problems came in. Now, he was victorious over these things up to this point, but I'm going to tell you what. A person can only take so much. And if you're depending upon yourself, you need to realize that you're not going to make it by yourself. You need God. You need God to help you. We've had a hard time forgetting the past. And we do this all the time. Not just now, but uh, we remember way back when. The other night I woke up and Uh, I was thinking about things that happened when I was just a little boy and uh, that I could remember. And so why do we do that? Because when we give our life to God and we confess our sins to him, all of those things are blotted out. They're no longer in the book. And we cling to those situations to justify why we do what we do. We remember back when it could be 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, it doesn't matter, but at that when we go back there, what we're doing is trying to justify our thinking, trying to decide whether or not this is the way we should go. And the real fact is that this hurts you personally, it also in the church hurts the ministry when this is practiced in the church. And yes, in our families too. It doesn't just affect you personally, but it affects everybody around you. And we remember when so-and-so did this, or so-and-so did that. And uh, we're never going to let that happen again. And we make all kinds of promises to ourselves and to other people. And we say, this is not going to happen. But God continues to remind us again in verse 5. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. Folks, this is a promise of God. In the midst of our anxieties about tomorrow or the things that happened years ago, God tells us not to fear. In reality, if we think about church and we think about the ministry of the church, we're supposed to move ahead we're not supposed to stay behind and remember when, you know, because those days are gone and they're not going to be repeated because we are aware of those things and we will not allow that to happen anymore. And so that's one of the things that God helps us with. That's why you don't have to fear. God gives us a mind to use to bring honor and glory to him. The second thing I want to share with you is that God sets before us life's basic purpose. Why am I in this world today? I've asked myself that question many, many, many times. And if you knew my background, you'd know why I asked that question many, many times. But I thank God that I was able to meet him at an early age of 13 and got saved. And he called me to do things that I never thought I would be doing or going places that I never thought I'd be going But God had it all under control, and I didn't fear. I had some uh, misgiving sometimes, and I had some uh, butterflies in my stomach, especially when I started college, you know. I wasn't the brightest student in high school, but uh, I mean, I, I did okay. I didn't flunk, but I did... Realized that I'd have to really put forth the effort, and so, and I went to college. I had a whole different attitude about it. But as we look at this, let's look at verses ten through thirteen. It says, "You are my witnesses," says the Lord, "and my servant whom I have chosen." God has chosen you. God has chosen me. You say, "Oh no, you're a pastor." Yes, I am. But you may be a Sunday school teacher. You may be a deacon. You may be another leader in our church. You may be singing with the worship team. You may be doing a lot of things in this church. Uh, You know, there's just so many things that we can do that God has chosen us to be. And you're in a special place. And he says that you may know and believe me. My servant whom I have chosen, he says, that you may know and believe me. My friends, don't do these tasks in your own life or in the church without God because it just simply doesn't work as well. And understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me only one God those that want to argue that everybody, every God is the same, Muhammad and, and uh, Buddha and so on and so forth, no, because they're dead. Our God's alive. He is the living Lord. And he says in verse 11, I, even I am the Lord. This is He's emphasizing who he is, that he has the power, he has the strength, he has the knowledge, he knows what he wants, and he wants us to fit into that plan And besides me, there is no Savior. He's the only one. Jesus says, I am the door, the truth. He says, I am the truth and the life. No man comes into the Father except through me. He is the one. That's his son. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. I have declared and saved. I have proclaimed. And there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord that I am God. Indeed, before the day was, I am He. And there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work, and who will reverse it? God is saying, telling us who He is. And He's telling us that there is a purpose for us on the face of this earth. What is the purpose? Well, first of all, it's to have a relationship with God. That's the first thing. We're to have a fellowship with Him, I've oftentimes used the example of cell phones. There's no connection to, no wire connections that we know of. Uh, There there may be on satellites and so on and so forth. But uh, when we look at this, we can call, I have a daughter 700 miles away. I can call her on my cell phone and she has a cell phone. We don't have wires connected like we used to. And I can call and talk to her. That's the way it is with God. I can call God wherever I am and whatever I am doing. And so we're to be witnesses for God to everybody. The thought I'd rather not be involved is not an option for us. You have to be involved. That's part of who you are. That's part of the reason you were created is to be involved with God and what he wants you to do. Now, who's the audience? Well, if we look at verse 9, it says, Let the nations be gathered together, and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this, and show us former things? Let them bring out their witness, witnesses, that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, it is truth. Friends, we are to let all nations be gathered together, he says. Our pastor had a professor that said all means all, and that's all all means. So as we think about that, once they're assembled, uh, God's word is to be presented to them. So once we get assembled in your living room today, God's word is being presented to you. If you're coming to church when we're open. Uh, we, You're to be as assembled. You're the audience. You're the ones we're talking to. And the reason we do this is to encourage you, not to put you down, not to put our thumbs on you. I'm no better than you are. I've gone through the same things that you've gone through. I'm no different. I am saved. And if you're not, that's a difference. But other than that, we are all reminded that, We are to be encouraged in the things of God. Isaiah is merely reminding us that the whole world is the audience. It's like the scriptures say, love thy neighbor, and we say, well, who's my neighbor? And then we start stopping and thinking about who's on this side of me, who's on this side of me in my home, and uh, I know both those folks very well. Uh, I, there's a person across the street, actually two right across from me. I know them very well. They're my neighbors, as, as we know, as we define neighbors. But I think if you really look at the scriptures and get the just meaning of neighbor, it is anybody. You know, uh, there's, Mike Brooks is sitting here with me, and he doesn't live beside me, but he's my neighbor, and I'm his neighbor. Yes, we worship together. Yes, we're friends. Yes, all of that. But being a neighbor side by side, no, we're not. But he's still my neighbor. You understand that? You know, we don't need to be asking that question. And that's the reason why we support missionaries, because the world is our audience. And we can't go, I can't go, I wouldn't be allowed to go on the mission field because of some disabilities. But, you know, we help others who are called by God to go. We had missionaries right from our own church that were in Thailand. We supported them. We encouraged them. We loved them. We helped them financially and other ways as much as we could. Why? Because we can't go. But they could and God placed it upon their lives to do so. Well, we looked at the audience. Now, what about the message? And the message is clear, because as we look at verses 11 through 13, we realize that God is in control, and he has the power to determine the future. The future will be as he desires. Well, Lord, I don't like it that way. I don't don't want it to rain today, and it is raining, by the way. I I want the sun to shine, but I don't want it to be too hot, Lord. I, I want it to be about 75. You know, I don't want this to happen or I don't want that to happen. We sound like a whiny bunch of babies when we go to God sometimes. And the reality of it is, it is His desire that we should be facing. Lord, what is it you want? What kind of temperature do you want today? Do you want the sun to shine? Do you want it to rain? You see, we, we get all mixed up here. We think that we're so important to God that he's going to do whatever we want. Well, it doesn't work that way. At least I haven't found it to be so. As a matter of fact, he's had to change my mind many times. And he's even changed my mind within five minutes before I preached a sermon. And all prepared already. And he changed it. And I preached something totally different. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, when we were having uh, services back a few weeks ago, on Wednesday night Bible study, I was doing Bible study, had my notes with me, I had it all planned out and when I got in and sat down and got ready to, to share, I found myself doing something totally different. Why is that? Because I listened to the Holy Spirit. God is in control here. We can't go, but others can, and we can give the message. The future will be his desire. It will be history, not his story, even though it will be that too, but it's history under God. We must point the unbelieving world to the only God, our Heavenly Father. There's so many people that are being led astray. They're going different directions, and they think they're right. But if they're not measuring up to the Word of God, we call it the Holy Bible. If if they're not measuring up to this Word, which has been preserved for us down through many hundreds of thousands of years, if they're not measuring up to this book, I'm going to tell you what, they're not in the right way. They're not going the right direction. So we have to work at uh, pointing the unbelieving world, to only God, our Heavenly Father. And to do this, less, is being selfish. Because guess what? Someone pointed you to Jesus. I had a dear friend, he's passed away now, uh, he, he had four boys, and uh, his youngest boy and I were friends, and I had been in their home many, 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 many times. And he led me to Jesus Christ. His name was Bill Bates, and I'm forever thankful to Bill Bates for, for Bill Bates for giving me the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And he didn't do it by pounding it in my head or pushing me down to the aisle uh, to, to the altar. He he just kind of nicely led me to understand who God was. Folks, that's what we need to do. We don't need this hardcore stuff. Those may have worked years ago. They do not work today. We need to be ourselves. You know, when we're talking to our husbands or our wives, or we're talking to our children, or we're talking to friends in the church or friends in the community, let's talk to to others just like that. And God wants you to do that. The third thing that I want to share with you is that God reminds us of our own salvation. See, belonging to God brings a wonderful assurance and a meaningful existence to life. I don't know what I would be thinking today if I weren't a Christian. I don't even know what I'd be doing or if I would be doing anything. You know, my dad—he died at 62 because... He decided he was going to drink and drink and drink and drink and he finally drunk himself to the grave. I can tell you honestly this morning that I do not do that. I have not smoked. I have not drank anything more than sodas and milk and water and so on, but things that wouldn't hurt me. Let me tell you what, that doesn't make me a better person than anybody else, but what it does tell you is that I was trying to be the person that God wants me to be. Some of those things that people do probably are not sinful. But then on the other hand, if somebody sees them and it causes them to fall, that creates a problem. It is to those who have experienced salvation that God is speaking to here in the book of Isaiah. You know, salvation is expensive. You've always heard that salvation is free. Well, salvation is free to you. But you see, it costs God a lot. It cost him his son. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave his Son. And as we follow the life of Jesus Christ and we get to the last months and days of his ministry here on the face of the earth, we find that it is terrible. He went through so much pain and suffering. Why? Because God wanted a supreme sacrifice. His blood had to be shed for you and me and he paid a price that we couldn't pay. We owe God. We, we have a debt to God. But you know, that debt's wiped out now because of the blood of Jesus. Salvation is also undeserved. How do we know? Well, let's look at verse 24 and see what it says. You have bought me. No sweet came with money, nor have you satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. You know, what we brought to God was our liabilities, the sin in our life. We we didn't bring anything to him, but he called our name and we gave our lives to him. And guess what he says? I'll blot that all out. And verse 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. You see, God wants to have relationship with us. He wants us to have companionship. He wants us to be fellowshipping with him, but he can't do it if we have sin in our lives. And you say, well, I've accepted the Lord, but I sin. Yes, you do. And so do I. But I go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. And time after time in my uh, humanity, I have uh, disappointed God, I'm sure. But he has always forgiven me. And he says, and I will not remember your sins. Praise the Lord for that. The things that we worry about and the things that we, we think about that happened years and years and years and years ago, even as much as last week. God has wiped it out when we've taken it to him in prayer and he has forgiven us. And then finally, salvation is a necessity. The need for personal salvation is irreplaceable. There is nothing that can take its place. Kierkegaard warned of the danger of losing one's own self without being aware of it. We can do that, you know. We can be in danger of losing one's own self, ourselves, without even being aware of it. You know, if a person loses an arm or a leg, they know it. If they lose a fortune, they're aware of it. If they lose their family, they live in grief because of it. Yet a person can lose their own soul and allow the loss to go unnoticed. I'm here to put on record today that you don't have to be lost. You can be saved and it will be something that will glorify God and your life will be better. In conclusion, I want to say this because I had this conversation not too long ago. And that is, it could be argued that God doesn't really need you, but God says you're mine So if God says, you're mine, then does he need us? Sure he does. I know that if I don't do what God wants me to do, he's going to let somebody else do it. He's going to call someone else to preach. He's going to call someone else to teach. He's going to call someone else to be an associate pastor here at West Concord Baptist Church. Uh, And in that sense, he doesn't really need me. But however, he needs me to need him. And folks, I really do need him. And so as we close today, my challenge to you is that you realize that you need God today. You need him, and he wants you to need him. Again, I go back to Israel. So many times they turned their back upon God And yes, they had to pay a price for it from time to time, and we will too. We usually end up when we're sinning, and even though we're forgiven, there's always a price to be paid. But I want to tell you something. God needs us to need Him. And if we do that, our lives will be better. For additional sermon resources and to find out who we are, visit us online at westconcordchurch.com. Thanks for listening.